Chapter One of Brewing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. Brewing by A. Cheston Chapman. Preface Great is the debt of gratitude which the brewing industry owes to the labors of scientific men. It has been more than repaid by the immense services which that industry has indirectly rendered to the advancement of modern science. It may be said without exaggeration that in respect of the number of scientific investigations of the first order of importance to which it has given rise, the brewing industry stands easily preeminent among the industries of mankind, and that without the stimulus furnished by the desire to arrive at the meaning of some of the more important phenomena connected with the brewing of beer, both chemical and biological science would probably be the poorer to-day by some of their most valued intellectual achievements. In support of this statement it is only necessary to refer to the investigation of the chemical and other changes occurring during the growth of the barleycorn, the elucidation of the mechanism of the hydrolysis of starch by diastases, the nature of enzyme action, and last, but not least, the numerous researches into the nature of fermentation with all the wonderful chemical and biological facts which those researches have revealed. Whilst all this is indisputably true, it is unfortunately a fact that about no other industry do so much ignorance and misconception exist, even on the part of intelligent and well-educated people. The brewing of beer is regarded by many as an operation of a simple and more or less mechanical description, which is not of sufficient importance to merit study or of sufficient interest to claim a share of their attention. It is in the hope of doing something, even though it be but little, to correct this widely spread impression that I have most willingly accepted the invitation to contribute this little work to the Cambridge Manuals of Science and Literature. To prevent any misunderstanding, I may say at once that it is not intended to serve as a textbook for the student of brewing, and still less as a handbook for the practical brewer. In it I have only referred to methods of practical working when such reference was necessary for the purpose of affording a general view of the process, or appeared to render the application of certain principles more intelligible. I have in fact contained myself as far as possible to an explanation of the principles underlying the various parts of the brewing process, and have endeavored in describing these to employ language which should be intelligible to the well-educated layman for whom this book is primarily intended. In dealing in so small a compass with a subject covering such vast areas in the dominions of both biology and chemistry, the difficulty of knowing precisely what to include and what to omit has been very great, and this must be my excuse should any of my readers detect what they regard as errors of omission, or consider that I have submitted the subject to unduly great compression. The illustrations of brewing plant have been very kindly provided for me by Messrs. William Bradford and Sons, to whom my thanks are due. I am also indebted to Professor Percival and to Messrs. Duckwork and Co. for permission to use the drawing representing the structure of the hop cone, and to Mr. Harold Wagner, F.R.S., for permission to use the drawing representing the structure of the yeast cell, and to my assistant, Mr. B.F. Sawbridge, M.A., for preparing certain of the photomicrographs. A.C.C. London, July, 1912. Chapter 1 Introduction. The origin of beer, using that word in a general sense to indicate a fermented infusion of grain, is lost in the mists of antiquity. 
Probably the Egyptians were among the first civilized people to engage in the art of brewing, and there appears to be good reason for believing that barley wine or beer was well known in Egypt at least three thousand years before the Christian era. Herodotus, who is not always a model of trustworthiness, mentions that the Egyptians used a wine made from barley because there were no vines in their country, but this is clearly not correct, since wine was well known to the ancient Egyptians, and its use is recorded as early as 4,000 years B.C. It seems certain, moreover, that at that early period there were many vineyards in the Nile Valley, and that several kinds of wine were produced. Still, it is not altogether unreasonable to suppose that in parts of the world where the grape would not grow, beer occupied the same position as wine in countries where the vine flourished. Among the ancient Hebrews, beer was well known, and although the word shekar, used by Moses and occurring several times in the Pentateuch, might refer merely to strong drink in general, yet there seems to be good reason for supposing that it did in reality refer to an intoxicating drink prepared from barley. It may be mentioned in this connection that there is an old rabbinical tradition that the Jews were free from leprosy during the captivity in Babylon by reason of their drinking sisera, shekar, made bitter with hops. If there be any truth in this, it is of special interest as showing at what an early period hops were used for flavoring purposes. But it was among the peoples of western and northwestern Europe that beer was most largely consumed, and among the Gauls, Germans, Scandinavians, Celts, and Saxons, it had attained in very early times to the position of a national beverage. Some uncertainty attaches to the etymology of the words ale and beer, but there is very little doubt that the former, Saxon elu, Danish ol, is of Scandinavian, and the latter probably of Teutonic origin, both words being used indiscriminately during Anglo-Saxon times. After a time the word beer appears to have dropped out of use in this country and was not again employed until about the 15th century, when the use of hops became general, the word being then applied to the hopped in contradistinction to the unhopped beverage or ale. At the present day the two words are very largely synonymous, beer being used comprehensively to include all classes of malt liquor, whilst the word ale is applied to all beers other than stout and porter. Prior to the Roman invasion, it is probable that mead, or fermented honey, was the beverage most commonly used in this country on festive occasions, and there can be little doubt that it is the most ancient of the intoxicating drinks of Western Europe. Next in point of antiquity came cider, and then with advancing civilization, beer. One of the earliest references to the use of ale in these islands is to be found in the Sentius Moor, which dates from the 5th century, and which shows that ale was well known in Ireland at the time of the arrival of St. Patrick. In Wales, too, about the same time, ale competed with mead as the drink of the wealthy. Among the Danes and Anglo-Saxons, beer was certainly the favorite beverage, and its virtues are celebrated in many of their most ancient poems. It will be remembered that their conception of the highest felicity attainable by their heroes after death was to drink in the halls of Odin long draughts of ale from the skulls of their enemies slain in battle. It is not within the scope of this book to deal at any length with the history of beer, and it will suffice to say that, from the fifth century onwards, the popularity of beer increased to such an extent that, from being the occasional beverage of the wealthy, it had become in the Middle Ages the general drink of all classes. 
the ale most commonly consumed by the poorer classes was doubtless low in strength and poor in quality and in this connection the following lines from piers plowman are of interest in speaking of the independence of the laboring classes consequent upon the scarcity of labor after the great plague in the fourteenth century piers says ne non halfpenny ale in none wise drink both of the best and the brownest that brewster sullen it is clear that at this time ales of several kinds or strengths were brewed and in old documents of the thirteenth and fourteenth centuries the words prima secunda and tertia as applied to beer occur on several occasions later in the reign of henry the eighth the brewers were restrained from making more than two kinds of beer the strong and the double and the prices at which these were to be sold were fixed by statute this restriction seems to have been withdrawn for later we again find that several varieties of beer were produced and sold the ease with which the operations involved in the production of beer from malted grain could be carried out resulted in the installation of brewing plant in the houses of vast numbers of the wealthier classes and almost every housewife of importance may be said to have been her own brewer during the eighteenth century this practice fell largely into disuse and the brewing of beer passed for all practical purposes into the hands of the public brewer at the beginning of the reign of king william the duty on strong beer or ale was one shilling and threepence per barrel and the price charged by the brewer to his customers who usually fetched it themselves from the brewery was sixteen shillings per barrel after our wars with france the duty was increased by ninepence per barrel on strong beer and in sixteen ninety four it amounted to four shillings and ninepence on strong and one shilling and threepence on light beer in the reign of queen anne the excise duty on malt which had been originally imposed during the reign of charles i but subsequently repealed was reimposed and a tax on hops was levied which remained in force until eighteen sixty two towards the end of the seventeenth and at the beginning of the eighteenth centuries the beer chiefly consumed in london was a mixture of heavy sweet ale with a lighter bitter beer and a still weaker or small beer about the year seventeen twenty two a beer was introduced which had the flavor and general qualities of a mixture of the three and as its chief patrons were the laboring classes and porters it became known by the name of porter this beverage made rapid headway and in the early part of the nineteenth century it constituted the great bulk of the beer drunk in london thus during the year ending july fifth eighteen twelve no less than one million three hundred and eighteen thousand thirty seven barrels of porter were brewed in london by the twelve principal firms then in existence whilst during the same period only about one hundred and five thousand barrels of ale were produced in eighteen eighty there was a complete revision of the mode of taxation to which brewers were subjected the most important change being the replacement of the duty on malt by a duty on the finished beer which was fixed at six shillings and threepence for each barrel of thirty-six gallons at a standard original gravity of one thousand fifty seven degrees less an allowance of six per cent for unavoidable waste in the manufacturing operations during succeeding years this duty was subject to many changes and at the time of writing it amounts to seven shillings and ninepence per barrel of an original gravity of one thousand fifty five degrees with an allowance of six per cent for waste by original gravity is meant the specific gravity of the wort prior to fermentation and it is on this that the brewer is taxed the calculation being always made to a standard specific gravity of one thousand fifty five degrees at the present time many different kinds of beer are brewed in this country 
of which the more important are mild ale, porter, pale ale, bitter ale, and stout. In addition to these, which are sold both in cask and in bottle, there are less important varieties, peculiar to certain localities, as well as lager beers produced by the decoction system of brewing, which is so widely adopted on the continent and in America. The great bulk of the beer made in this country is consumed by the working classes whose staple beverages are the so-called mild ale and porter. The mild ale is a lightly hopped beer of medium gravity and of full sweet flavor, which in London is usually drunk when quite new, but which in the country is occasionally kept on draught for one or two months. Porter is a dark-colored beer usually of about the same original gravity as the mild ale, and which is devoid of any pronounced hop flavor. Stout is a black beer of higher gravity than porter, which it resembles in being somewhat lightly hopped. Its flavor varies greatly, according to the locality in which it is sold, being sometimes, as in London, sweet and luscious, and at others, as in Ireland, devoid of any pronounced sweetness, or dry. Bitter beers, as the name implies, are characterized by a marked flavor of the hop, and are brewed of several strengths. Pale ale, which includes ales intended for export and for storage, is the name usually given to beers of the highest quality. In original gravity the beers of this class vary very greatly, but they are always pale in color and are almost invariably brewed from the finest materials and represent in a sense the highest product of the brewer's art. In connection with the above general descriptions, it should be pointed out that no sharp lines of demarcation can be drawn between any of the varieties mentioned. These overlap very considerably, and in different parts of the country the same name is often applied to beers of very different characters. The history of a beverage, which in its various forms has played such an important part in our national and social life for so many centuries, is in the highest degree fascinating, and to those who are interested I commend any or all of the historical works, the titles of which are given in the list on pages 127 and 128. End of chapter 1